0: <laughs> Today's podcast is right up my alley. A friend of mine out of Canada, Mark Hall, started pinging me with a bunch of articles. One was a peer reviewed article, a couple of newspaper articles. One was almost like a Nachio written piece about cougar and cougar depredation in California. And the more I dug into it, the more I saw why he sent me the article. So this podcast is two scientists nerding out about trying to dig into the truth about what hunting did for cougars and cougar population management in the state of California. It's a fascinating podcast, and I hope that you plant a bunch of seeds in the back of your brain and question what actually is going on today in an era where there is a ban on cougar hunting. All right, you look like... Uh look like a mountain man since the last time I saw you, man, huh?
1: I'm, uh, I'm getting a head start on the beard, um, cause even, <laughs> even though, like for winter. Because e- even though it's the middle of summer and we're in a heat wave.
0: July, Mark. You, yeah. Not, that's a lazy excuse.
1: Well, you got you to gotta get started. So it's got to be big and bushy for when winter comes. So it's part of the look for, hunt, part of the look for hunting season. It's got a beard.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I call it my winter plumage. My winter plumage <laughs> comes out.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's so white. My wife is like, makes you look older. I'm thinking. Wiser. Distinguished. Wiser. Yeah, distinguished. More distinguished. I can, exactly. I can do the, I can do the rub my chin thing and it's like contemplate life. There we go.
0: There we go. <laughs> uh, without further ado, introduce yourself Mark Hall, please.
1: Hey everybody, Uh, my name is Mark Hall. I live in uh, British Columbia, Canada, and I am the host of the Hunter Conservationist podcast, as well as the Round Canada podcast. Uh, Robbie's been on the Hunter Conservationist podcast earlier this year. I host that, uh, co-host that with my son, Curtis, and we kind of explore all things to do with science, conservation, and responsible hunting in Canada. And occasionally we got to reach outside of our borders to understand the world a bit better, which is why you are on the show.
0: Well, I appreciated the opportunity to, to sit down and have an iron sharpening iron conversation with you, and I know this one's going to be quite
1: about the same.
0: Uh, but talking about out of borders, August 9th, right? or August 8th, August 9th
1: is when Canada is opening up the border to fully vaccinated um, U.S. travelers, yes. Now, there is a potential hitch. There's something to do with the Biden administration. They're um, not, I'm not sure if they're too keen on the idea. And the Canadian Border Services Department is threatening to go on strike.
0: The Biden administration is not keen for Americans to travel to Canada?
1: There, there's something going on, um, between the readiness, between the two nations. I haven't been following it too much. I've just seen some, well, meddling, I hope that, so.
0: that's, I hope that's a, a malicious lie because it was, I mean the only if,
1: thing they can do is prevent you from leaving the country. If Canada opens up and says, come on in, if you're fully vaccinated, then what can you yeah, do? Yeah,
0: I don't think American, I think coming home would be not an issue. You know, it's yeah. It's like me going to South Africa. And being an American citizen coming back, you know, doesn't make any sense. But I hope, I hope for all our Canadian outfitters that they do actually open up and that they um, have some hunters.
1: Yeah, because it's getting down to the wire. It's like, well, really down to the wire in Northern British Columbia um, and other parts of Northern Canada. Like the season opens um, some places like beginning of August, August 15th. So, you know it's it's either going to happen and they have hunters or it's it's a late deal and they're they're still going to be uh impacted so mm-hmm. crazy times
0: what are your hunting plans for the fall mark
1: lots man i uh i traditionally start the first of september for elk archery season and then immediately kind Good of public switch lands
0: over. around where you are yep. to hunt yep. elk in you with bet the bow.
1: yep Right out in the Rocky Mountains. Okay. It's Uphill in bold directions, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then usually switch right over into early season waterfowl hunting. I drew a mountain goat tag, uh, so I'll probably be giving that a try earlier in the year. Typically in the past, I've always left it till late when there's less daylight, snow, terrible weather. Last year, I was lucky and and drew a goat tag again but it was like the day the weekend mother nature decided to set winter into the rocky mountains and it was pretty miserable so Mm -hmm. and that's right um that was with rifle yeah okay okay so more duck hunting and late season deer hunting
0: there we go there we go yeah i'm hoping to do a little bit more hunting this year than i did in the past you know the The thing that you love the most, that you fight for the most every single day, tends to be the thing that you do the least nowadays.
1: Not for me. I started turkey hunting on the 15th of April, went straight into bear hunting. Took me a little longer this year to get a bear. It was like the third week of June. So it was only a few weeks ago when I got my bear. Then the season ended, and now uh, elk archery season, I'll start setting up camp and getting out there at the end of August, so. Nice, nice.
0: Well, I know that um, we have had some some serious conversations in the past and you are not any, you're not the kind of person that lacks for opinions (laughs) on subjects. Uh, So why don't we just dive right in? And uh, I know you've been peppering me with a bunch of um, depredation uh, articles, yeah, the California stuff. California cougar. So why don't we dig in a little bit uh, on the California cougar situation, and uh, I'll let you take over.
1: Sure, start there. Um, so there was a, a paper recently published uh, looking at data going on in California going all the way back into the 70s, and it was looking at the depredation rates on livestock and pets and then it was looking at the numbers of cougars that were killed under depredation permits mm-hmm. and there's kind of this big oscillation in the data. There was, you know, uh, increase in depredation rates and then they peaked and then they kind of tailed off. And then there was another spike again, kind of, you know, um, in the late, you know, um, mid two thousands kind of, kind of in, in there.
0: So there was a peak between 1990 and 2000 and then yes. it dropped off. And then all it the dropped off the 2015s, 2016s and then we've seen a massive spike again in the 20 up until 2018 and 2019.
1: It, exactly. So for me this this is interesting because it's you know it's like okay the data is showing there's like there's something happening in the r- real world that's up crash up crash so what they did in this paper was they, they just ran a regression line through all of this. Correct. And just sort of a, a, a best fit of all of the data. And their, their primary conclusion was, oh, look, the more cougars that are killed under depredation permits the following year, more livestock and pets are killed. Therefore, killing the cougars under depredation permits is... They didn't quite say it, so there's a correlation. Um, but you everybody walks away going, you know, that's causing the depredation is killing these so cats. Let's,
0: let's reiterate that because that's something that is, is it's, it's the fundamental crux to this whole thing that we're about to discuss. <laughs> yeah. So break that down very simply again.
1: So yeah, so the, so the, the data is showing that starting in the 70s, there was an increase in the amount of pets and livestock that were killed by cougars. And it peaked uh, early in, in around 2000-ish, the early 2000s. Then it crashed, and then it peaked again. Correct. So to me, there's like I said, there's something in the real world where there's things are going up and they're going down. There's an oscillation. There's a bunch of things going on. The scientist that wrote the paper simply said, well, what's the average of all this data? For, forget the fact that there's kind of this up and down cycles. And let's just kind of look at the average. From
0: 1973 all the way to 2019.
1: Yes. And so what they showed by doing this, and it's called a regression line, just kind of like looking for the average through all of this data. The trend over time. Exactly. Just a straight line. So a straight line over time was showing in California that the numbers of cougars being killed was incrementally going up and the amount of livestock and pets was incrementally going up. Correct. So they they painted the picture and moved you towards believing that it was the control the depredation killing of cougars that was causing more livestock and pets to be killed the following year.
0: Yeah, so more every every year more mountain lions are killed as a result of these depredation permits. So a depredation permit is someone saying, I just had a mountain lion come in, killed my goats. I'm sick and tired of this mountain lion. I'm getting a permit to take it out. That is a depredation permit. And so exactly what the paper was saying is that every year, the more depredation you had uh, in terms of the take, the number of cougars actually taken from confirmed depredation, because that was also another thing, right? There's lots of permits issued, but not all of them are filled. Yeah. But confirmed like 40,
1: depredation.
0: 45%. Yep. Confirmed depredation suggests that the following year there's more livestock death.
1: Yes. So that that's that's the narrative that was trying to be um, put out there. And Person, people that I follow on social media, um, that kind of doesn't, you know, like hunting of carnivores and cougars and bears and stuff, kind of put that out there and 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 reinforce. Who that could be, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, Reinforce that that message, sort of saying, you know, oh, here's some more science that's showing um, that lethal removal of cougars is actually making your problem worse. So. I'm, I'm not, I'm not from California, you know, I'm from Canada and I try to focus on Canadian stuff, but it's like, this has caught my attention. So I'm like, something's not right here. So I, I kind of started digging in, into things a little bit. So I found out that it was in 1972 under the Reagan administration, a moratorium on cougar hunting was brought in, in the state of California. Correct. The best I can tell um, is they were roughly harvesting a couple of hundred cougars a year
0: prior to the moratorium.
1: P- prior to the moratorium. Yep. So in 1973, you know, or, or, or 1971 or 72, whenever the last hunting season was, they harvested 200. The next year, it was zero. Correct. So, so I, I I sort of made a hand-drawn graph to kind of like, like sort of figure this out in my mind. Well, right at that time is when the, the rate of cougars killing livestock and pets started to climb and drastically climb. Mm -hmm. There was a big kind of deal in California about this. So the state brought the hunt back in in 1989, late 80s, took a bunch of cougars, I think 190 people lost it. And there was a vote and it was shut down again. So that was probably
0: 1988, right? 1988, where you see there's a dip in the graph.
1: Yes. Yeah, and it's then a the dip actual total
0: depredation and a dip in small hoof stock being taken
1: there, there is there is a little a little like decrease because hunters kind of came back onto the picture. Then, after that, it was just kind of like all hell broke loose in California. It was like the the biologist said the cat population was climbing. the the amount of livestock and pets being killed was going through the roof. and and, the number of permits the state was issuing to deal with people that were losing livestock, it skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. Then it all started to decline. So to me, it actually kind of shows two things. One hunting was doing an incredibly good job of managing the right cougars in the population prior to the seventies and keeping livestock and pet depredation at fairly low levels granted in there you would have had like population and urban expansion and more you know uh, more hobby farms starting to develop sort of in the rural areas but to me the data is showing like cougar hunters were providing a valuable service Mm -hmm. to society whether you agree with it or not morally put that aside right now what they were doing by hunting cougars, appears to me in California, was keeping livestock and pet deaths down, because as Especially soon as cougar hunting's mitigating warfare. it, exactly. Yeah. And and then and then when the hunt ended, uh, in in seventy three and again in, in ninety, there is this drastic, skyrocket of depredation kills, cougars killing livestock and pets.
0: Now Mark, have you looked at any data prior to seventy-two? Have you no, been able to find any data prior to 72? It'd be interesting no, haven't, to know.
1: Haven't haven't looked that deeply into this yet. So I was just I was just kind of getting uh, getting things fired up, just kind of jumping on it while it was hot. So now now the other thing that was that's kind of well, a couple more things that are interesting in this is so this this idea that the numbers of cougars that are being removed for conflict with livestock and pet owners was the cause or was contributing to more livestock being killed the next year. I don't buy that. I don't see that in the data. The the scientists that wrote this paper did not even talk about hunting and the role. Like, like I did going back and going, well, your data set starts in the seventies and it's like, Coincidentally, that's when hunting stopped as well. But they didn't discuss any of the potential influence of of hunting there. So it, to me, when you look at this like big spike in depredation permits, spike um, in the amount of cougars killed, the spike in the amount of livestock killed, and then it all crashed. Well, it's like even under the depredation permits, it looks like they were removing the right cats and actually brought. The depredation rates down. Then, from what I understand in California, is there was a lot of social pressure on people that were getting these depredation permits. Like the one story of the one lady that had all the llamas killed, and so she got permits, and then she had all the death threats and everything. She's just like, "Whoa!" So I am not going to kill these cougars because I'm scared for myself. So I don't know whether that played a role. There were alpacas, actually. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I don't know whether that played a role in this second spike that we've seen you know that the data shows now now one of the other things that that I found interesting digging into this is since the 70s all of these cougars that are killed under depredation permits go back to the state biologist and they do necropsies on them 97 I think it was 97 percent of those cougars had rodenticides, rat poisons in their systems. Hmm. So in the absence of hunting, it was mostly juvenile males, makes sense. Juvenile males were the conflict. They were the ones coming in and pestering the farmers, hanging around. While they were coming and going, they were finding and eating rodents around the farm that were poisoned. Or they said they were killing and eating bobcats or coyotes that were in and around the farms as well that had eaten rodents that had been poisoned. Either way, the one article I read, the biologist said, like it's not killing the cougars outright, but it's it's a chronic toxicity load that they're carrying in their bodies that could, in the long term, impact the cougar population. So, so I'm kind of like. So, you know, in Cal, so here we are, you know, we took hunting away, but now these cats are getting at and hanging around the farms and they're scooping up rat poison and they're being, they're being poisoned. They literally have these toxins in their bodies, um, because a whole bunch of people thought the hunting of cougars in California was morally, ethically wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, now, now the other, the last thing I looked at on this is I just kind of like went, okay. So go back to the seventies or the, the, the other event in the late eighties, people were just outraged that hunters hunted cougars in California. That was morally and ethically wrong. And they brought an end to it. All of this data to me is saying the total number of animals, cougars and livestock and pets that have died cumulatively since ending hunting is way more dead animals on the ground than when you had hunting.
0: No, you're absolutely right. When you look at that graph, (laughs) and for everyone that's looking, the the paper that we're talking about is a paper published um, here in 2021. The paper's title is Temporal Trends and Drivers of Mountain Lion Depredation in California, USA, published in Human-Wildlife Interactions by Dellinger et al., And the graph, uh, to Mark's point, the graph that we're talking about occurs on page six. And the graph is, it is true. Like you say, Mark, it's, if you think about, if you had to um, extend the graph from 1973 through 1960, the trend line that they have described, again, we're gonna make very, very vague assumptions here, but you would expect it to keep going down. Um, There may be some anomaly, uh, but it wouldn't be what you're seeing here. But as you say, between 1973 and 2019, the amount of mountain lions lost, number one. Number two, the amount of small hoofstock lost, and the amount of large hoofstock lost, and the amount of pets lost, far outweighs the amount of
1: cougars hunted.
0: On an annual basis,
1: yeah, and 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 after the nineteen ninety um, ban, uh, the final ban on hunting, when the depredation rates on livestock and pets started skyrocketing, people were demanding um, more permits to get to get rid of cougars. The number of cougars in the states being killed under these depredation permits was four times what it was when hunters were out there doing doing the job. So
0: I'm trying to run some math in my brain quickly. It it's it's about I would say it's north of ten thousand animals. Okay. I just did a, a quick like an average hundred on the because it goes way up, the graph goes all the way up past 300 at one point in 1995, if you want to call it
1: that. And that and that's just livestock and pets on that graph you're looking at. Then you add on 100 cougars a year on top of that. So
0: Yeah, exactly. So total depredations, that, that black line includes it all, and then you have to add cougars on top of it. Uh, well, maybe I just did my math wrong. Let me do this quickly again. Let's go 300 so times. So it'd
1: be like... 450 dead animals a year post-hunting. Post Livestock pets. soldierss yeah, killed because they're conflict.
0: Yeah, times, geez, I'm going to shockingly do my math. <laughs>
1: um,
0: come on. Come on, calculator. I don't think that's right either. I've got 20,000. Maybe 20,000 is right
1: that that's that to me sounds like it's fair just roughly 500 animals a year are dying Yeah. compared to when hunters were hunting cougars it was 190 200 ish kind of a year bobbled around in there plus a little bit of background livestock depredation like i mean it's it's way less and we it think now. it's
0: less than yeah it's probably 30 percent of what's happening right now
1: yeah yeah so so Again, if if you were a person that was just concerned about the welfare of living animals, wildlife, livestock, whatever, you know, I would assume a tremendous amount of these hobby farms, at least with what I'm familiar with, it's like they're not hardcore slaughter operations. Sure, sure. They got sheep and they got goats and they got some chickens and stuff. And it's kind of like just this fun thing to play to play yep, farmer. Yep. Right. So so these are animals that are like, besides the pets, are, you know, livestock pets. Let's let's call them that. So so to lose one um, is is a big deal emotionally to people. Maybe there's a bit of, um, you know, subsidiary income from you know selling baby goats or you know some wool off off a sheep or whatever. So so if you're concerned, hunter or not, if you're just concerned about the welfare of living animals. Uh, That people care about. The total number of animals that are dying in California now because they stopped hunting, which was apparently like cruel and immoral and unethical and not keeping with, with modern society and stuff, more animals are dying. Animals that don't want to die, farmers and hobby farmers that don't want those animals to die, right? So when I just look at this from the Dalai Lama perspective, what's the total volume of death that's happening and how can we as human beings mitigate that? We can mitigate that by bringing cougar hunting back. But
0: Mark, wouldn't the, the argument is that that's, that's mother nature now. Right. Because they're predators and that's what cougars do is that predate, they
1: predate. hmm So people will have to accept that if, if that, if that's your value, that's your argument, people have to accept that. When it's a four-year-old child, when it's a lady going out for a walk, when it's somebody's dog, right?
0: Yeah, but cougars are very reluctant to take out humans. Let's be honest. You know, we've seen lots and lots and lots of cougar interactions with humans, and
1: it happens a little bit, but not, not, not. I agree. I, you know, I agree that that's, you know, that's kind of getting into like, well, you got to hunt them because they could take your child and, you know, uh, fear-mongering yeah, that's, that's sort of
0: thing. Too much but, fear-mongering rhetoric right there too, in my, in, but in my, my the, mind.
1: But I, so if I look at this just strictly from the cougar's perspective, yes, yes, they're carnivores. Um, natural predators, they're doing their natural predator thing. Um, people have encroached into their habitat. So there, there is this conflict. But the species themselves, cougars in California, are suffering because of this. They're suffering because they're being killed, like just simply because they're being predators, and you know, frozen and then in a cryopsy, and then and then th- thrown in the garbage kind of thing. Nobody's nobody's making use of that because there's no value to them. Um, people in these situations. Have I think seen that's a, with the-
0: a, for us for a second. I think that's a that is a very valid point. And and you started this conversation with the the term responsible. Mm. And I think that's a very, very useful term for hunters to use, in what, which is, what is responsible? In this situation, what would be responsible management of mountain lions? I think it's a very valid point that any depredation that does occur in a mountain lion, there is no responsible use of that mountain lion. It's, it's very much wasted. There is no utilization of the meat. There's no utilization of the pelt. There's no, you know, utilization of or, you know, dare I say, the the skull as you know, something that is adorned on someone's wall from a memory trophy, whatever you want to call it, perspective. There is no use. There's no responsible use of the animal itself. Exactly.
1: Yep. No, no conservation revenue from the hunters. I mean, you just issued a depredation permit and you probably get it you know, for free, um, you know, sort of thing to take care of the problem, the problem yourself, you know, but sort of carrying on with, you know, just sort of looking at this wild animal itself. Yes, it is a predator. It's doing predatory things, but in this whole situation of saying, well, it's, it's immoral, it's bad for cougars, it's cruel and inhumane to hunt them. We've now sort of allowed them to, pursue their natural instincts into an environment, which is kind of not their forte and they're getting into trouble and they're dying. Nobody cares about them. They are coming into contact with rat poisons and they're suffering from that. Who knows like what that's doing to individual animals causing blindness, um, you know, causing some sort of disorientation and they get hit on the highway and it just gets chalked up to you know, a motor vehicle accident and their population is expanding. And, and one of the, the, articles I read about cougars in California, just because of the development in the highways and stuff, there's, there's populations that have been split and are isolated mm-hmm. and biologists are saying that there's these populations that are at risk in their long-term survival. Because there's no transfer of genetics from outside populations, there's inbreeding going in. And so, um, you know, physical deformities that, you know, the biologists are seeing are increasing. And of course, as, as you know as well, that inbreeding in wildlife populations might kind of exist for a little while but eventually it's going to be the demise of the population nature Mm just does does not like Mm -hmm. this recycling of genetic material it's like in so so this whole situation i think of removing hunting out of california is is to the detriment of the conservation of cougars in the state and the future of them as as a species there it's just It just seems like I'd really like people to kind of like, hunter or not, just sort of step back and look at some of the big picture things, what's happening to cougars, what people are doing to them, and can hunting, even if you disagree with it, play a role that balances this whole situation out? And, and, and it's better for cougars. It's better for people to me. If it's better for people, it's going to be better for cougars in the long run. I've, I've seen this scenario, um, you know, with bears, like where I come from in British Columbia, like we don't have a grizzly bear hunt here anymore. And like people still want to get rid of bears. They have problem bears. So like there's this whole problem of bears disappearing you know, being shot and buried and they lose their value. People get fed up with it. Um, we see it with the urban deer in communities where I live, people get so fed up that they're, they're mowing their gardens down. They go down to the sports store and they buy a cross crossbow and they go, I'm not a hunter, but I'm going to take care of this problem. This deer's always Mm -hmm. eating my, they don't know what they're doing. The next thing, you know, you see a news story and it's like, The conservation officers are out trying to find this deer that's got a crossbow bolt through the side of its nose or something. So so spike belts, poisons, like people take these drastic measures because they're getting frustrated. So I would assume in California that there's probably stuff going on. Cougars are being poisoned, died, trapped, snared, whatever, under the radar and simply disappearing because people are frustrated with it. Do you think,
0: did you... Do you have a hypothesis of what happened between 1994 and 2014? We're talking about almost 20 20 years where there was Mm -hmm. a steady decline in depredations.
1: So some hypothesis that I would maybe explore would be what were deer populations doing in the state during that period? Um mm-hmm. maybe they were rebounding and the cougars were hunting, you know, mule deer or or antelope naturally. Um was black there, tail, I think
0: blacktail is probably one of their yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, there's the whatever in the yeah,
1: California, the highway, one side, their mule deer and the other side, they're blacktail. Um, or is that Oregon? I can't I can't remember. Um so, so there's things like that that I would, you know, I would start I would start looking at. Um, you know, so basically if if the depredation permits might have been too excessive, the take was you know too excessive in a very short period of time, sent the population into a spiral. I you know I don't know um, that can happen with different wildlife populations where you know if too many females are taken out or constantly females are being taken out, the ability of the population to pull itself up out of a out of a out of a nosepin becomes more difficult. Um, you know. Maybe there was an explosion in you know urban development and mm-hmm. you know and and cougars got displaced, and you know depredation rates went down until they kind of figured things out and how to move back and colonize these these new areas so these are just things off the top of my head that you know as a yeah. critical thinker it's like let's let's start looking into this let's, yeah. let's It's you know. interesting
0: that it took twenty years seventy four to ninety four for depredation to spike, and then obviously it tailed from 1994 to 2014. So, so when was the stock years.
1: market crash?
0: Um, I don't know. I'm not a finance guy.
1: <laughs> it was like around 2009 or 11 or somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, okay, let like let's start to bring in like those types of dynamics. So. People are doing really well. They retire. They got extra money. They move out into the country. They've always wanted to be a hobby farmer. The num the number of actual livestock that was being cared for may have also gone up. Economy collapse. The stock market collapse. People are like, man, I lost the farm. Um, I can't afford to do this. I sold livestock. So so I would also want to know what was. The total numbers of animals under husbandry care during that time frame is because there may be a correlation of people getting out of it, right? So all, all these types of questions. So, but
0: interestingly, from 2014 to 2019, a five-year span, not 20, five years, it rocketed to the second highest depredation rates since 1973.
1: Yeah, interesting. So there's some. I mean, I have more questions, you know, about what's going on in California with cougars and the depredation rates, than this simplistic conclusion of this one paper, which was basically, if you looked at an average across this, ignored these ups and downs and all these questions that that you and I are are, are postulating, and just said, just oh, on average, it, the data seems to be saying. The more cougars that are killed under depredation permits, the worse you're making your your livestock and pet depredation the following year. And I'm just like, this is too complicated of a scenario. There's there's a lot more nuance here to this whole story, which I feel, I really feel hunting played a huge beneficial role in that's being ignored here. So
0: it uh, it does though ask you know some some interesting questions when you step back from the table. Firstly as we're communicating to a non-hunting majority, or even an anti-hunter, asking the question, well, what is the point, right? What is the purpose for you banning hunting? And they're going to answer it two ways. They're going to say either we don't want any lions killed any longer, or they're going to say we just hate hunting. Hopefully they say that we, we probably know it's the latter versus the former. The majority is going to say the former. We don't want any more lions killed. Mm-hmm. And so the responses to this, um, to that question, if they answer it that way, would be, well, the data shows that there's just as many mountain lions killed on an annual basis today, if not more, than there were during any hunting season that California ever had. And that'll be shocking to them. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. Well, did you know that also there's more domestic animals being removed as a result of mountain lions than ever before? And we can give the statistics. Oh, I didn't have a, I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that. I'm sort of just trying to work through my brain like, You know, what would you say to the person? Like, how did you, you know, it's almost like infusing logic in them. Like, you've got this ideal of what you're you're reasoning for why you're banning something, but you clearly didn't think through the implications of it. Or maybe you did. And benefit of the doubt, didn't realize something like this would happen. You know, there's natural prey base. Why would you need to go on to, um, You know livestock or anything like that but we know booming population expanding urban urbanization interferencing interfering with uh wildlife habitat creating edge effects all those kinds of things just brings you know those animals in constant uh, interaction with that interface
1: yeah yeah i mean i you know one One little caveat I would add there, like, you know, I I think a response that you would get from the non-hunter that was very passionate about seeing cougar hunting end comes down to this. They do not, some people do not like the motives of the hunter when it comes to hunting carnivores like a cougar so the, the argument i see a lot is it's like we're fine if you hunt a deer for food your primary motive is sustenance however we don't buy that when you're hunting a cougar we just think you're doing it for trophy you're not using the meat you just want a skull and a hide and 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 a mount on your wall to brag about and show your social status so it it it, they're coming at it, going. We don't like the reasons that people are doing this.
0: But we have. Don't, doesn't this data give us a different motivation?
1: And 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 that's that's a point where I would ask people, you know, t- to take a step back and open up like your mind. Here, I. It's fine if you do not like the idea, the motives of a hunter pursuing a cougar why you think they do it or the fact that they use uh hounds to to do it set that aside for a second here and and just realize that that's just your value and your belief system not liking what somebody else's value and belief systems are look look at the cougar look at the cougar as a species in california and is saying are they better off now than they were in the sixties and seventies. And if your answer is no, then look at this data with us and say, what is this telling us and what are some of the future management options? Cause to me, things are not looking actually that great for Cougars, you know, in, in California mm-hmm. and, and they're suffering. They're suffering, like we've said, they're getting killed because they're eating Um, um, goats, they're getting poisoned, like they're, you know, all of these sorts of things. So if you're, if you're concerned about the welfare of this wild species, yeah, you made some decisions, you tried some things in California, look at the data. This is what adaptive management is about is we tried something, we monitored it, and then we went, oh, that's a little different than what we were hoping for. Let's revisit this. And, and, and I would hope that people in California could come back and revisit this and just set that, set that value system aside of, of what makes you angry, why a person would want to hunt a cougar mm-hmm. and just say, what's, what's best for cougars in this state? And what's best for the people that are out there in the hills, sucking up the consequences of all these extra cougars that are on the landscape, right? So. 100%, 100%.
0: Well, did, little did the audience know that at the beginning of this podcast, the Canadian would be dissecting Californian mountain lion population dynamics uh, to determine the best management strategy for the health of a cougar
1: population. Crazy times. It just... <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm a lot uh, a lot like you it's like i see this stuff come across my feeds and i'm trying to be on top of stuff everywhere in the world and keep myself informed and educated on top of things but i'm i'm really trying you know to educate and inform and have conversations about you know wildlife conservation science and responsible hunting in canada but but sometimes these things outside the boundaries are gripping and they, they have a bearing on what's going on everywhere in the world. And so I do, I dig into them, I get drawn into them. You know, I, I saw, I'm like, I got to tell Robbie about this. It's going
0: to do a video on
1: it. And, and, I may
0: actually do a talking head on it. I really, really like it.
1: Um, totally. I mean, I could be off to base on some of my stuff. So do your research and then, and then do your talking head. And, and you'll, you might come out of it um, better off. But I mean, this is, this is what my gut was telling me. And I was trying to you know balance between objectively grabbing some data and mm-hmm. looking at some things and intuition and some science and stuff. And I, I, I'm just like.
0: If you could send me that, uh, that article that you found about the game biologists and the rodenticide, uh, that would be really helpful to me. You bet. And, um, next time you come across something crazy, like a big science article like this, that you want to talk about it, let's, let's do this again. Okay.
1: It's great. I love, I love running these things to ground and hopefully people, um, see some value, uh, out of listening to us. Break, break this down. Um, at the end of the well, day, you're all about conveying the truth in hunting. I think there yes, is sir. a truth in the state of California when it comes to hunting cougars, regardless of the reasons or motives for hunting cougars, there is a truth there, and I don't think the truth is being told in California.
0: Well said. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.